Good morning again, everyone. We are in week two of our teaching series, Love and Marriage. For six weeks, we are looking at God's design for marriage. We began last week at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis 2, looking at the model marriage where God created man, God created woman, God brought the woman down the aisle to the man, and we read these words. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one. God's will for your marriage, if you're married, is that this relationship you're in is to be your priority as you go through life. That this relationship you're in is to be permanent, which involves an ongoing pursuit of your spouse through life, and that this relationship is to be a partnership where you are one, you're together, you're a team. And today as we continue in this series, we're going to look at that comprehensive oneness. God's will for your marriage is that you would be physically intimate, emotionally intimate, and spiritually intimate. That you would have your hearts turn towards each other as you journey through life. You're one. The challenge for us is that over time, it can, so easily, it can so easily happen where we let our relationship not become a priority, where we stop pursuing one another, where when we were dating, uh, boy, we just couldn't stop thinking about the other person and we were doing things together, and then life goes on, and next thing you know, we're alone and disconnected. Today we're going to talk about fighting for connection, fighting to be close in your marriage. I've mentioned it last week, my wife and I were coming up on 30 years, and as I look at my life with her uh, together, uh, we had to fight for closeness. Uh, I, I said this last week, marriage is wonderful. Um, my wife's my best friend. I love spending time with her, but man, it takes work. Anybody else? So we get together, we're married, and we work through our differences, and we'll talk about that in the next few weeks, about how we do that. But we work through our differences, we've kind of close, and then we had a child. Boom. Work through that, try to get close again, had another child, and then a third child. Had to fight for closeness. I want to begin, there are things that can cause us to turn our hearts from each other when we don't pursue each other, when our relationship is not a priority. What are some of those things? First is a baby. For those of you that uh, are married and God has blessed you with a baby, um, someone has said that uh, the birth of a new baby is the birth of a new marriage. It's so true. They've done studies, and recent studies, and they found that couples that have a new baby, conflicts increase, their marriage takes a back seat, the woman feels overwhelmed, and the man feels pushed aside, that after a year, the woman's marital satisfaction goes down, and then after that, the man's marital satisfaction goes down because his wife's satisfaction goes down. Is anybody relating to some of this? Okay. That's a baby. It could be a new job. It could be the ailing health of a parent that needs extra time. 
It could be a host, it could be a challenge with one of your children. These are things that can cause us to lose our connection. And in time, if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves alone and empty. And what happened? I just don't feel that love anymore. Today, we're going to look at a text that has been misused, misunderstood. We're going to look at it today and next week, where Paul gives instructions to a husband. Here's how you can fight for connection. Here's how you can help your wife to stay close to you. And next week, women, wives, here's how you can help your husband to stay close to you. So before we look at the text, I just want to say, um, if you're in a good marriage, may God use you to bless other marriages. Your marriage isn't perfect, but he can use you to come alongside other marriages. If you are in a marriage that's not so good, maybe there's hurt and anger right now, you're not close, uh, I want to tell you there is hope. And one of the things we know from studies is this, that when a couple works at connecting with each other, staying close, it over it supersedes the problems and issues that they're facing. In other words, if you work at staying close, no matter what it is you're dealing with, you can make it through. There's hope for your marriage. Uh, we have a God of reconnection where he can take two people that are disconnected and reconnect them. If you're single here and planning to get married, again, uh, I mentioned this last week, take notes. Make sure you got a big notepad because you do it through your whole life. If you're single here and you're not going to get married, not planning to get married, uh, this is series is for you as well, uh, because you are in another, we're all in, if we know Jesus, we're in another marriage relationship, and we talk about that throughout this series. You're with Jesus, and you, even though you're single, you need family and friends, couples around you, because you are not made to be alone. So it's, it's if you're uh, single, it's for you too. I mentioned this last week, and if you weren't here, I just want to mention again, as we begin this series, if you're divorced, this is not about making you feel bad. This is about helping you to maybe understand and learn where things uh, uh, went wrong. And biblical understanding always leads to compassion and grace, and God's will is that you would show some compassion to yourself and grace to yourself and extend grace to the other person. There's a God who heals, and he wants you to be whole. So may you learn as well. If you're widowed, or uh, if you're a widow or a widower, um, may you look back, and, and uh, I'm hoping that you will appreciate some of the, the things of your loved ones. So today, how do we stay close? And husbands, we'll be talking primarily to you today. Ephesians chapter 5, if you have a Bible, and we're going to begin in verse 25. Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. So Paul gives the instructions to the husband, and here it is, husbands, change your wives. Why does Paul tell husbands to love their wives? Why doesn't he tell both of them? Because in Titus chapter 2, uh, wives are to love their husbands. Uh, Titus, Paul instructs Titus, you know, Titus, have the older women um, teach the younger women to love their wives. We're going to see next week the, the whole wives submit and respect your husbands. Why does he tell the wives that? Because husbands are to submit to their wives. Ephesians uh, 5 talks about that. 
Husbands are to respect their wives, First uh, Peter chapter 3. Why does he say, I'm giving you roles now, here's your instructions. Husbands, you do this, and wives do that. Next week, we'll learn more of the far context when, we go, context when we go back to the garden, because Paul's thinking of the original marriage and what happens there. But he's also thinking of the present text. And the challenge in that day is that where people were coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus, they were turning from worshiping false idols, from living for themselves, they turned to Christ. But in their culture, in the Greco-Roman world, husbands didn't love their wives. And at that point in time, wives didn't respect and submit to their husbands. There was a, a, a certain kind of revolution taking place. And so Paul is going to address both of these because neither the husband nor the wife were turned towards each other. They were both apart from themselves. So he starts with the husband, and he says, and he says it six times. Six times the call, hey, I'm talking about love. Husbands, you need to love your wife. Now, just to help us get a better idea, because when I, we say, oh, husbands love your wives, like, okay, sure. But in that context, this was shocking. This was like, what are you saying? The Greek writer uh, Demosthenes, about 300 years before Paul, said this, we keep mistresses for pleasure, concubines for the day-to-day -day needs of the body, but we have wives in order to produce children legitimately and to have a trustworthy guardian of our home. That's not a verse you want to put up in your house on a plaque. <laughs> that really isn't. Greek husbands didn't love their wives. Roman husbands didn't love their wives. Jewish husbands to a certain degree, but it was, their, wives was, their wife was a commodity. In that culture, a wife was one step up from a cow. And here comes Paul, and he says, oh, no, no, you don't treat her that way, you love her. People that say Paul was a chauvinist, they don't understand, they, don't, they misread Scripture. I look at Scriptures, why submit to your husband? Oh, he's a chauvinist, he's misogynistic. Not at all, it's the exact reverse. Paul is lifting up women, and if you follow history in the teaching of the early church, they took this literally, and they obeyed it, and women flocked to the church because they were considered equals, and they were loved. So Paul says, husbands, love your wife. Shocking command, but it even gets more shocking. Notice, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Husbands, as you go through your um, life, with your spouse, you keep your eyes on Jesus, and the way he loves you is the way you're to love your wife. How does Jesus love us? Well, I'm told in Ephesians 2, Paul, early in the letter, shares how he did, that there was a point in my life where I was dead in my trespasses and sins. I did not have a relationship with God because I'm a sinner. But God, in his great love for me, who is rich in mercy, made me alive with Christ and not only forgave me of my sins and I entered into this relationship with Jesus, but because of his grace, he's also raised me up with Christ and seated me in the heavenly realms so that in the age to come, he might show his inexhaustible supply of goodness to me. It's called grace. When I understand without Jesus, I'm going to die. I have no hope. I am going to an eternal separation from God. 
But 2,000 years ago, he died on a cross for my sins so that I have a wonderful future ahead of me. If I think about that daily, that's going to help me to love my wife. Because if I'm honest with you, ask any man, it's easy to be selfish. It's easy to be a, a bad husband. It's easy to just think about myself. But the call is, no, I am to love her as Christ loved me. When we read the word love, again, in English word, in the Greek, there are four different kind of key words for love. One is eros, which is the sexual love. It has to do with desire. The second is phileo, which is brotherly love. And then there's storge, which is family love. And then there's agape, which is sacrificial love. That Christ died for me. He sacrificed for me. And when I come into a relationship with Jesus because of all he's done for me, he then tells me in Matthew 16, Dan, deny yourself take up your cross daily and follow me. Dan, the call on your life is to die to you. You have to die to your selfishness, die to your anger, die to all of those things because I want you to represent me. And guess what? When you get married, there's lots of opportunities to die. There's lots of opportunities to die to selfishness. When you get married, you stand, you're not only declaring, uh, here comes the groom, you're not only declaring to the bride, here's my current love for you, I promise to love for you. I promise to love you. Love you as Christ loved me. What if you're here today and you are, you know what? I did that, but I just don't love her anymore. We're just kind of going through the motions. God's call is for you to love her even though you may not feel like it. Now, we're going to talk in the next few weeks about what love looks like, and, and it's, it's serving your spouse, it's forgiving yourself, spouse, it's growing together with your spouse, but it's this idea, I want the best for her. This agape love is unconditional. It is a giving love, not a getting love. It's marked by an act of choice. I'm choosing to do it even though I don't feel like it. If you're a husband and you're stuck in your marriage, you can keep lecturing your spouse. You can keep waiting for your spouse to change. You can keep trying to change your spouse. But can I tell you something? It's not going to work. In my relationship with my wife, the times that we have made gains and it's worked is when I stopped trying to change her and I focused on changing me. Healthy couples influence one another. If I am striving towards health, it puts me in a posture, our relationship in a posture, where maybe she will grow in her health. There's times that she has grown and it's influenced me. So uh, husbands, if you're stuck, You're not waiting. You're not looking at your partner. You're looking at yourself. You're taking the initiative, even though you don't feel like it. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his love for us in this while we are still sinners. My heart was turned away from Christ, but he pursued me. He took the initiative. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. So that's the call to love like Jesus, that we're taking this initiative. Now, can I give you some hope, too, if you don't have those feelings? 
Tim Keller, in his book, The Christian Marriage, talks about those feelings. And he writes this, in any relationship, there will be frightening spells in which your feelings of love dry up. When that happens, you must remember that the essence of marriage is that it is a covenant, a commitment, a promise of future love. So what do you do? You do the acts of love despite your lack of feeling. You may not feel tender, sympathetic, and eager to please, but in your actions you must be tender, understanding, forgiving, and helpful. And if you do that, as time goes on, you will not only get through the dry spells, but they will become less frequent and deep, and you will become more constant in your feelings. This is what can happen if you decide to love. That is so true. If you keep choosing to love the other person, in time, those feelings may come. If you keep fighting to be close, in time, feelings will follow. But so often, we're just like, well, I just don't feel anything. I must not be in love. Love is a verb. It's an act of, a cho- uh, an act of choice. Why did Christ do all of this for us, raising us up so that we could be with him Well, Paul talks about that. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Here's the reason. To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Paul says, Jesus went to the cross for us to make us holy, set apart for him. He did it through that spiritual cleansing, through the washing of, uh, of water and the word, the good news of Jesus. That's how he saved us. But why? So that we could be set apart for him. And notice, so that we could be a radiant church. The word radiant means glorious. That we would be without stain. We would be glorious, perfect. Husbands, That is the destiny of your wife as a follower of Christ. Her destiny, one day, is that she's going to be a glorious woman for all eternity. That's what Jesus has done for her. Now you as her husband, you partner with Jesus in helping her to be that radiant woman, that glorious woman woman. I want to remind us as Christian husbands, we have a God who does not put down. We have a God who raises up. As husbands, Christian husbands, our call is not to put down. It's to raise up. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. But then there's something else Paul draws our attention to. Husbands, how can you help your wife to keep her heart open to you. You love her and you treasure her. Look what he says in verses 28 through 30. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. Husbands, It's just natural for you to care for yourself. Well, that's how you're to care for your wife. Again, Paul's getting at the oneness. You're together. There's to be this inner closeness. And he gives us two actions, two verbs, and they're both agricultural terms. 
And uh, the first one uh, let's look, that we look at, want to look at is care. The word care in the Greek has the idea of to warm, to soften. So husbands, you're warming her heart, you're softening her heart, and it's this idea of you're valuing her, you're treasuring her. Just as a plant, you're, you're caring for that plant, you're treasuring it, you're valuing it. Now, what does that look like in a marriage relationship? What does it look like in your marriage relationship? Where husbands, you're valuing your wife. Uh, in my marriage relationship with Lisa, uh, we all want to be heard and understood, and I can value her by hearing her and trying to understand her. And I, I think I mentioned this last week, that my tendency in the past has been when she would talk and we'd talk about things, kids and everything else, but we would talk about kids, I would invalidate what she was feeling and what she was thinking. Oh, you, you shouldn't feel that way. Oh, you shouldn't think that way. And when I wasn't invalidating her, I was preaching to her. As a pastor, I can work three-point sermons. You guys are blessed to get one every Sunday. Do you know how blessed she is? She gets one every day of the week. Like, seriously, I would just like, oh, you just need... Thank you. She would just like spit something out and, oh, here's what you do. Or she would say something. I'd spit something back. Here's what you need to do. Three points. Said and done. Again, husbands, that does not work. Yeah, there's a place down the road to offer some advice. But for my wife, she just wants to be heard and understood. She wants to know that we're in this together. I may think differently about how we should do this with the kids or what we should do with um, our finances or, you know, her emotions or spiritually how things are going in the house. I can feel differently, but I'm listening and I'm understanding. I'm valuing her. Another way that I that she feels special and valued. It's not only when I hear and understand her, but when I communicate that she's on my mind. And uh, sometimes that's through a text, not very often. I don't like to text. Um, in the past, sometimes it's been a phone call. Does anybody make phone calls anymore? Okay. <laughs> Just in the middle of the day, how you doing? Um, someone, a uh, young person outside this church, so, but... Um, writing post-it notes for the, the girl he's dating and went through a period where I think he had like 30 in a row, right? I want to just uh, tell him, hey, you know what? If she marries you and you get married, guess what? You need to get some more post-it notes because you don't stop because that, if that makes her feel special, that's what you need to be doing. Uh, maybe it's holding her hand. Maybe it's you making a meal for her. Every couple is different. For myself, uh, did I tell you I went to a Pilates class with my wife? You talk about valuing and making her feel special. I went to this Pilates class. I was, the, I think, the only guy in the class. And you know that whole die to yourself, you know, Jesus wants you to die. I almost literally died. Physically, <laughs> physically, we were moving things, emotionally, even spiritually. I'm like, God is not in this place. He is distant. <laughs> 
I'll tell you, if your wife wants you to go to Pilates class, we'll pray for you on the prayer team. <laughs> oh, man. Sometimes uh, I felt in the past and other husbands, you know, like, my wife wants me to be romantic. And like, what's it to be romantic? You know what romance really is? It's being close. That together we're special. We care and love each other. That's what romance is. What that looks like, it could be different. And I want to say, too, that as you, as a husband, seek to make your wife feel valued and special, there are different seasons in life. We talked at the men's breakfast yesterday or, uh, about you know, the seasons of a man's life and then there are seasons of a woman's life. Well, there's seasons in marriage as well. Lewis Smead said, uh, my wife has been married to five different men and each one of them has been me. Right? We change. Things change. Right now, our kids are close to the, we're getting close to the empty nest stage, and it's a little easier to, to give her time and attention. If you've got little kids in the home, you're just trying to survive. Are you not? Day to day, right? But the key is, is that you're constantly wanting to turn your heart towards each other. Lord, help me to love my wife. And in the midst of all of this, triggers and things we got to deal with and, and all of that, Lord, help me to help me to love my wife, you, helping her to keep her heart open to you. So, so care for your wife. The other one is feed. Notice there, uh, feed. That, that, the word uh, in the Greek means to nourish, to feed to maturity, to, to nourish, to help her be her best, to lift up. As a couple, uh, husbands, it's not just, hey, what am I going to do? Where am I going to work? You know, what do I want? It's together, what do you we want, that you're asking her about her hopes and dreams, that you're talking together, and whatever the outcome, whatever you decide, where you're going to live, what kind of house, more important than that is your connection. You're fighting for the connection. You're fighting for a win-win. So sometimes maybe there isn't the job you take. Sometimes, you know, we're going to say no to this because we need, to, we need to stay close to each other, and this is going to maybe drive us apart. And it, again, it changes as you go through life. As we first got married, uh, my wife was just finishing school, and I had just finished seminary, and she was, I just defended her, her thesis in um, master's in biochemistry, and her supervising professor, the other professors, um, said, you need to go and get your PhD. She was not only the smartest person in her class and in her program, she was the smartest person in the university. Uh, I said to her years before we dated, you're like the only person I know that has a photographic memory that I've been up close to. Like, it's unbelievable. There's a downside to that, by the way. But uh, <laughs> there's times we're married, and she'll say, well, do you remember when we did this, and, and, you know, and we ate this, and, went, and I'm like, 1998. Yeah, I was married to you. I know that. It's just like, but anyway, so your PhD, and we had the discussion, and she felt, no, I don't think that's what God is calling me to at this point. And years later, uh, so she got a job, a couple of universities, doing some things, and then 10 years later, the same question came up, Pro Professor talked to somebody else, hey, would you consider getting your PhD? And she said no again. But here's the thing. I was supporting her whatever decision she made. So whether she's going to be a stay-at-home mom, whether she's going to get a part-time job, 
I am trying to lift her up that together it's a win-win. When your wife knows that you love her and you value her, and by the way, I'm as guilty as the next person, I have to work on that because so many other things can distract me. It opens her heart. It can open her heart to you. Again, Paul is talking about this oneness, and that's why he goes back to the original marriage, uh, verse 31. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and notice the two will become one flesh. He's talking about intimacy, closeness. And then he says, this is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. Paul says, I want you to see your relationship with new eyes. Because your relationship of marriage, earthly marriage, it's temporary. But there's a greater marriage. There's an eternal marriage. It's a mystery. It's just been revealed. It's profound. And that's this, that Christ is one with his bride. Sometimes we think, oh, we're married, and then we use Jesus and the church as a metaphor. It's actually in reverse. The ultimate reality is Christ being with his people for all eternity. Our marriages are to show that. That oneness in my marriage, as a husband, I'm showing what Jesus is like as a husband. And my wife is trying to show what Jesus looks like as a wife. That we're working hard to do that. Now, before a last call or challenge to the husbands, I want to say this to all of our women. If you're here and you're not loved and treasured, in a earthly, an earthly relationship. For whatever reason, I want to remind you that you are loved and treasured by Jesus. That you are a glorious woman in his eyes and one day he's promised to raise you up. That you are seated with him for all eternity. You're destined to be a glorious woman. And again, husbands, our call is to help our wives to that end. Paul then ends again talking about this call to love. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Love his wife. Here comes the groom. So let's talk about all the grooms in the room. First, your wife longs to be loved and treasured. And over time, we can stop doing that. Life gets busy, and we stop making this relationship a priority. We stop pursuing her. We've got the remote, and it's just about us and whatever. That's not our calling. Our calling is to fight for that closeness. And if you are here and you're a husband, that has stopped loving and treasuring your wife. What do you do? You begin with prayer. You begin asking Jesus to help you to see how much he loves you. That you get into your Bible and you read about where you are without him. And if you need to repent before, Lord, I'm sorry, I have not loved and treasured my wife. And then, if your wife is open, you talk. And we'll talk in the next few weeks. There's a responsibility for the wife when, when we talk because it needs to be a safe place. If you don't have a safe place, you won't have a connection. You won't have inner closeness. It needs to be safe. But if your wife is willing to talk, that you would go and ask her to forgive you, and then you begin to ask her, 
How can I love you better? How can I treasure you? What makes you feel special? And you listen. And husbands, just in case, I asked my wife this week because I want to lead by example. I asked her, I said, uh, what makes you feel special? And uh, she says, when you listen to me and you respect what I say. She says, I don't need a lot of empathy, but I need respect. Because one of the things I mentioned before, we're talking a lot about my health these days. And she's telling me, you know, physio and all these things. I'm like, ah, none of that, right? And I don't respect her opinion. But I need to respect her. And I asked her, um, the other question is, what can I do to lift you up to be all you, you created to to be by God. And it wasn't to do anything to do, like I'm thinking of this or that. It was what she wanted to be. You can pray with me more. Now we pray at mealtimes, but once in a while, I would grab her hand and let's just pray for the kids. Let's just pray for something. And I'm always tired and busy, and, but we don't do that enough. And she said, that would help me. So that's what, that's what I'm called to do. So husbands, would you begin with prayer and then talk. And if it's not safe to talk, again, in the, in the next few weeks, we want to help here at Woodside because together we have a, a marriage class that's just starting up in, in a couple of weeks. We're, we're planning for marriage mentors. Together, we want better marriages, godly marriages. So there's that talking. And then, in addition to that talking, sometimes there's a place, even when everything hasn't been resolved, to begin courting again, dating again, going have and just having some fun you know things aren't we're, we're kind of talking but, but things aren't great and what was it you did as a couple that you just enjoyed doing together maybe it's going for a meal maybe it's listening to some jazz album maybe it's climbing trees together i don't know whatever you did what what because that's that that's reconnection there so husbands let's work together to love and treasure our wives. And then for all of us, I want to ask you, these marriages are temporary. There's a greater marriage, and it's your marriage to Christ. John, at the end of the Bible, we got the marriage at the beginning of the Bible, at the end of the Bible, there's another marriage. It is the eternal marriage. And John says in Revelation 19, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then in Revelation 21, that in this new heaven and this new earth, the abode of God, the abode of man merged together, and God himself in the person of Christ will be with his bride. I want to ask you, are you blessed today? Is Jesus the greatest person, the greatest thing in your life? Is that your future? One day when you will see Jesus at the marriage supper of the Lamb? And today, if you have never done that, that is the first step. That is the most important thing. And I encourage you to say yes to Jesus. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I want you to be my Savior. I want you to be my Lord. I want a relationship with you, and you can do that today. I'm going to invite you to stand as we close. And I invite you, if you like, to just bow your head. We're going to respond to God in his word today. If you're a woman today, whatever state you are in, wherever you find yourself, would you today embrace the reality that you are destined to be a glorious woman? Would you thank Jesus for that today? 
Husbands, is there something God is calling you to do? Is there, maybe it's just even reaching out for help. Take the initiative, just like Jesus took the initiative with you. Don't just stay stuck. What is it God wants you to do? God, you want us to have marriages where we are close and intimate physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And Lord, I thank you and praise you for the marriages where that is a reality. And Lord, I'm asking you for those marriages where that's not a reality, that you would begin a new work even today. We can't do this alone. Lord, help us to look to you. Help us to reach out to one another. Lord, we pray for godly marriages here at Woodside. We pray it in your name. Amen.